Uh, well, this is the uh, last uh, chapter that we're going to be looking at in the book of James. Uh, and sometimes when you look at James, it can kind of seem just at first glance that uh, there's a lot of disorganization. He kind of likes to jump, and maybe you've noticed that as we go. Uh, but I think he's actually very organized, and, and it, the structure is actually very complex. Uh, at the very end of chapter, or at the beginning of chapter one, uh, he kind of talked about uh, blessed are those uh, who endure through persecution. And we kind of talked about that uh, five weeks ago. It's been that long. Uh, and and we, uh, we talked about this idea that we are to endure because uh, by enduring these persecutions, we become mature as Christians. And we see that James, uh, throughout this book, has been coming back to this idea of what it means to be mature, what it means to be perfect, uh, as, as the translation says. What does a mature Christian look like? Uh, at the very end of chapter 1, we, we didn't read it, but uh, it's there. Uh, trust me, you can go look at it later. Uh, he kind of gives kind of the setup for what he's going to talk about throughout the rest of the book. Uh, in verse 22 of chapter 1, uh, he talks to them and he says, Don't just be hearers of the word, but be doers of it. Don't be people that look in the mirror and then turn around and forget what they saw when they looked in the mirror. All right, and, and that's one of those ideas that he talks about later in chapter 2 when he says, we are to have faith that produces action. All right? Not just hearing the word, not just having faith, all right, but having faith that does something, being doers of the word. Uh, then in chap verse 26 of chapter 1, he talks about this idea of keeping a tight rein on your tongue. And if you read that verse, he says uh, that the person that doesn't have a tight rein on of his tongue, his uh, faith is worthless. His religion is worthless. All right, and so then he talks in chapter 3, uh, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, where we have uh, to control what we say because our words have power. It can influence people, it can destroy people, it can bring destruction into their lives. And so as Christians, if we want to be mature, if we want to be perfect, we need to control what we say and how we say it. Our words matter. Uh, then in verse 27, chapter 1, uh, the very last verse, he says that we are to keep ourselves unstained from the world. And we saw that last week uh, in chapter 4 when he says, do not be stains of the world. Do not be friends with the world because friendship with the world is enmity with God. And so what, ma what we do from uh, after Sunday morning service all the way to the next Sunday matters. Your life matters and your faith needs to be played out. And how you live that, how you, how you, how you go into the world and live your life matters to God, and it matters to what it means to be a mature Christian. We are to be living our faith out every day of the week in every aspect, and, and then by doing that, that is how we keep ourselves unstained from the world. All right, so James, you can kind of see the structure that he's been building, and so what we're going to read today kind of serves as a, a bookend, okay? All right, he started off saying, uh, count it all blessings for when you are persecuted, because persecution brings about endurance and endurance maturity. And so now he's going to come back to this idea of endurance at the very end of the book. So we're going to be in chapter 5. If you have your Bibles, uh, I encourage you to turn to them. We're going to start in verse 7 today, uh, and we're going to be uh, kind of uh, uh, hearing into this idea of, of enduring and having patience. Uh, 
To understand this, though, we do need to read, uh, understand the first six verses that we're not going to read. In the first six verses of this chapter, he is going to be talking about uh, oppression. And in particular, he's going to focus on the oppression of the poor by the rich. Uh, not all rich people are oppressors, but it seemed in their context that they were. a lot of them were. And they were, because they had the money, they had the influence, and therefore uh, they're bringing about all this kind of oppression. And kind of what James does is he warns those who are rich, and he says, watch out, because God is coming, and your riches, they're not going to mean anything when Jesus comes. All right, and so he's warning them, but it also is going to serve as an encouragement. All right, the warning is Jesus is coming. And then this is what he says in verse 7. Be patient then, brothers, until the Lord's coming. I want to stop there because, uh, as we've seen, James kind of likes to introduce his idea and then give examples of what he means. You know, he's, he has some theology. Uh, it's not necessarily the deep theology we sometimes read in Paul, but it is theology nonetheless, and it's practical. All right, so the, the, the thing that he wants us to understand is this idea of being patient, how many people love to be patient. I mean, patience can be hard sometimes, can't it? I mean, patience, even in little things, can be difficult. When you go to Walmart, I love Walmart, right? Go to Walmart, and it's a great example of why you need patience in your life. Because you will get there, you'll have all your stuff, and you will stand in line, and stand in line, and stand in line. And sometimes it can be hard to be patient in those moments, can't it? Even as you're trying to just check out, that's simple, right? All right, and so uh, that's what he's saying, be patient, not necessarily in that context, though, okay? But patience is hard. It, it can be hard when we have children who are running around screaming, and you're like, stop screaming. Why are you yelling? You know, it can be hard to be patient in those moments. Now, what is James talking about, though? The patience that James wants us to be aware of in the context deals with oppression, all right, the first six verses, he's been talking about those who are oppressed by rich. And he's saying, when you are oppressed by people, you must be patient. Why should you be patient? Because Jesus is coming. Uh, too often, I think we like to take things into our own hands. I think as, as human beings, we like to be even with other people. We like, when we are oppressed, to, to have our rights taken back, right? We, especially as Americans, we love this idea of taking back what is ours. But James says, be patient. So wherever your oppression is coming from, wherever you feel like you're being oppressed as a Christian, as an individual, you are called to be patient in those moments. So what do we mean? Well, here's one of the big things right now, right? Our government. As Christians, we like to say the government's stepping on our rights. And as Christians, our job is not necessarily to fight for our rights to be given back to us. Our job is to fight so that Jesus will be known. And part of, even in the midst of oppression, is to recognize that we are to be patient because even if we're oppressed, right, even if we are having rights damaged or whatever we want to say it is, we are to be patient because someday Jesus is going to come back and he's going to fix the issue. It can be tough to be patient. And I think uh, the thing that we've lost as American Christians, is this understanding that Jesus once said, don't be surprised when the world treats you badly because you're a Christian. 
I mean, we, we seem shocked at all these things that are happening around us, but we shouldn't be. Because Jesus said it was going to happen. And what we are to do is not say, no, I have my rights, but to say, Jesus loves you. And to show them that love. Paul says something similar. He says it in this in Romans uh, chapter 12. He says, do not take revenge, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Paul says the same thing James is saying. When you are oppressed, when you feel like your rights are being taken away, when you are, are having issues at work because your boss doesn't like you because you're a Christian, you know, when those things are happening, you are not to take revenge. You are not to fight back. What he says you are to do is to let God take care of it. See, our God, he is a just God. Our God sees oppression and he witnesses it and he takes care of it. Look at the Egyptians and the Israelites. When the Israelites were were enslaved by the Egyptians, they were um, told to have their kids tossed into the Nile River to be eaten by crocodiles or drowned. Their little babies that were coming out of them were supposed to be thrown into the river. That is injustice. They were treated harshly. And what God says is, I am going to take care of it. When we're oppressed, God takes care of it. And while while it may not necessarily be in the timing that we desire, He will take care of it. While it may be today or tomorrow or the next day, it may also not be until the end of time. When Jesus finally comes back, all things will be put to rights. And in the meantime, be patient. Wait. We uh, oftentimes say these, this phrase, right? Two wrongs don't make a right. But do we actually live that out in our lives? Do we actually, as someone wrongs us, do we want to take revenge and act upon that desire to be vengeful? Or are we patient? Knowing that our God, who is a good and just God, will repay even far better than what we could ever do. We on the other hand, are to be loving. So whoever it is that's oppressing you, whoever it is you feel like is, is hurting you or taking away rights or whatever it is, your reaction is to love them. If you see that they're thirsty or hungry and they have a need that needs to be fulfilled, your job as Christians is to fulfill it. Even if they're the ones Casting stones at you. So this is what James is saying. Be patient until the Lord's coming because of what Paul says here. God will repay. God will bring about vengeance. And he will bring about this justice that we so desperately need in our lives. And so you be patient. 
And he's going to give us examples uh, in the rest of, of the section that we're going to read. So the second half of verse 7 is the first example uh, that he gives. He says, see how the farmer waits for the Lord to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. And so his example that he gives here is, is that of a farmer. And, and this is one of those everyday examples that everyone saw in their society. I mean, we even see it, but much more in their society. They lived in a world where they, a lot of times they planted and they kind of left it up. It was out of their hands whether or not it was going to be a good crop or not. You know, they, they didn't plant and then had the ability to, to turn on the hose and, and have water given to it, right? They waited upon the seasons, and, and the seasons that James mentions are the uh, autumn and spring rains, and, and kind of how that, society, or that part of the world is, is they have these two raining seasons. The first one that germinates the seed and allows it to, uh, to, to spring up, uh, and then the second one, the spring rains, uh, kind of gives it full strength and gives its fruit, and, and that's after that one that they're able to go in and, and harvest. And these are things that they have no control over. They had to wait and to see what was going to happen, and see God's blessing based on how these things happen. How many of you have ever planted a garden? My wife and I, a couple years ago, we decided to plant a garden. We built up this, uh, uh, we, we did a raised garden box, so we built the garden box, we put uh, some good dirt in, and we planted some seeds, and you know what did not happen the next day? I mean, when we went out the next day, there was not carrots or tomatoes, or lettuce that we could pick and, and eat. There might have been some weeds, you know, but for the most part, it, it wasn't ready. We had to wait. We had to be patient. And this is the patience that James is calling for. He says, you must be patient, recognizing that you have no control over the oppression that's in your life. You have no control what other people are going to do to you. And no matter what they do, you must be patient and wait for God to act. It's not easy. I mean, it's not easy to be patient. It can be very hard. Well, here's what James says regarding in verse 9. He says, Do not grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. The judge is at your door. And what James does here in the second idea is kind of to explain what patience isn't. You know what patience isn't? Patience is not standing in the line at Walmart and complaining that they don't have enough cashiers to open up. Right? That is not being patient. Right? Patience is not when your kids are yelling and screaming, yelling back at them, or going to your room complaining behind their backs that they are just worthless children. That is not patience. Right? Patience is not grumbling or complaining about your lot in life. Patience is not seeing your boss and knowing what they're doing to you and, and, and talking about your boss when he's not listening. That is not patience. Patience, he says, is not grumbling or complaining. What I find far too often in my life is that when I lose patience with, in one aspect, I tend to lose patience everywhere. I, I, if I lose it with, with Hannah, uh, for whatever she's doing, I end up losing it over Micah for something even smaller. 
You know, patience is one of those things, when you lose it, you've lost it. And I think that's what he's kind of hinting at here, is when you are impatient with God, you start to complain about your brothers. When you get impatient with what's happening in your life, and whether or not God is going to take care of it, you begin to complain and to argue and to, to, to bicker with your friends that are around you. And this should not be, James says, don't do these things. Because if you do, you'll be judged. And what does he mean there? I, I mean, I don't know what he means there. I mean, I'm sure at some point in time, God's going to look at me and he's like, you weren't patient. I'm going to be like, yeah, sorry. I know I need to work on that. It's tough. And I think we kind of see this importance of patience. I see the, uh, I think he, James has done a good job of this, and he thinks he's done a good job because he's going to look at another way because he understands that it is not easy. And so what he's going to give us in the last couple of verses of this section is he's going to give us examples of people who had patience. And he's saying, look at their lives. Look what they were patient with. And you have far less things to deal with. He says, if they were patient, then you should be patient. Here's what his first example in verse 10, he said, or yeah, verse 10, brothers and sisters, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. The first example he wants to give us is that of the prophets. All right, uh, the Old Testament is, is vibrant, is beautiful, is it's something that we should not neglect as Christians because they give examples after examples of what we should and should not do as God's people. All right, Paul says, you know, these are written for our example, that we should not act like they act. Okay, And he was referring to the grumbling of the Israelites in Egypt. And there's a lot of people in the Old Testament that if we will read them, we'll have great understanding of how we're to live. And the example that James gives is that of the prophet. So I just want to look at two prophets real quick. The first one is Elijah. Uh, Elijah was one of those great prophets. He, he wasn't necessarily the first. There were others, Nathan, Samuel. There was a whole school of prophets. But Elijah was the first one to truly face the persecution and oppression that James is talking about here. Elijah went up to the king of Israel, the northern, northern uh, kingdom, and he says, it's not going to rain until as long as I pray that it doesn't rain. All right, and if you're the king and, and you know you need rain, well, that's not good, right? And so he probably at first was like, nah. But then they start to look for him. And so Elijah has to hide. And you know where he hid to escape, to have life? He hid in a ravine where there was a little brook. And so he had some water from the brook. And he was fed by God with birds. Birds came and brought him food. All right, he had to hide for a long time. And when that brook dried out, he had to rely on other people to provide food and, and, and drink and wine and stuff to drink. All right? He had to walk around. And then we get to this scene near the, near the end of his life where he goes on top of Mount Carmel after three and a half years of not praying, saying there's not going to be rain. For three and a half years, they didn't have rain. And he says, I'm going to prove that God is good. And he has this great battle scene between the Baals, prophets of Baals and his God. And his God wins. And, and it's this great moment where the, all the Israelites say, it's the Lord. He is God. It's the Lord. He is God. And you know what happened the next day? The queen goes up and says, just like you killed my prophets, I'm going to kill you. And Elijah runs for his life. And Elijah 
had persecution. Elijah had oppression. And you have not faced that type of persecution. I know in America that you have not faced this. And so James is saying to us right here that if the prophets were able to endure, if the prophets had patience in the face of what they had to face, then you can have patience too. Another prophet was Jeremiah. I mean, Jeremiah started to preach at a young age, and the moment he began to preach, uh, we're told that, that people hated his preaching, and they wanted to kill him. And he had to escape running away, just like Elijah had to run away, because he was afraid of what was going to happen. Elijah, because of his preaching, was placed in stocks, and people walked and they threw vegetables at him, and they mocked him, and they scorned him. At one point in time, they tossed him into a broken cistern where he sank in the mud. This thing that they left him there to to starve to death. I mean, he he was carried off at the end of his life against his will to Egypt because that's where a lot of the Israelites were going because Babylon had just conquered them. I mean, he faced oppression unlike anything that you faced. And if he had patience, if he endured, no matter what you're facing, you can endure too. Throughout the history of the Israelites, anytime prophets of God came to the Israelites and told them what God wanted them to do and how they were not fulfilling what God had told them to do, they were faced with killings. They were executed because of it. And they had patience throughout it all. And you're not facing that, my friend. No matter what you're facing, No matter how you feel you're being oppressed by the government or by your bosses or by other people in this world, you are not facing right now what they are facing. And if they were able to endure, you can endure as well. This is what James says at the beginning of verse 11. He says, as you know, we count blessed those who persevered. And he says, we count these men blessed because of how they endured, of how they overcame these things. And then you, too, can be blessed by what you overcome. He gives the second example in the second part of verse 12 there. He says, you have heard of Job's perseverance, and I've seen what the Lord finally brought about. And the second thing, the second example he gives is that of Job. And Job is a magnificent life you can read. You can read about just in the first two chapters and the very last chapter of Job. And you kind of get an understanding of what he went through. Job Job was this immensely rich, immensely influential person in his life, and he was a good man. He loved his servants. He took care of them. He loved his children and their spiritual well-being, and while they were parting, he would go out and he would sacrifice to the Lord, and he'd say, God, please forgive my children if they'd done anything wrong. He didn't know if they did or not. He says, if they have, please forgive them. That's how much he cared about his children. He was a good man. And then tragedy struck. All his property was stolen. All his fields were were burned. A tornado hit his children's house while they were there, and they all died. And Job was left desolate. And he breaks down, and he's weeping. And he says this, Naked I came from my mother's womb, 
Naked I will return. The Lord gives and the Lord takes. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And in the midst of his trials, in the midst of his oppression and the things that was fa- he was facing, he blesses the name of the Lord. And then the next time, a couple, uh, we don't know time ways how long, next scene we see in chapter 2 of Job, he's given this plague, he has these boils, that it's so painful that he picks up a piece of broken pottery and he begins to scrape his skin. I have no idea what type of pain he must have been going through where it was better to cut himself and have relief from the blood that was seeping from him than the boils that was all over his body. And his wife comes up to him and he says, curse God and die. And Job says, do we take the good from God but not the trouble? I mean, Job went through a lot. And Job had persevered. The end of his life, we're told that he is blessed. And he's given back his uh, possessions and he's given more children. Because he had patience. The patience that we need. James, he's he's been making this argument that we need to have patience in the midst of oppression. And no matter what you're dealing with, there have been other people who have dealt with it. No matter what loss you're feeling, no matter what you're going through, that you feel like God is not there, that God does not care about you, it is not true. There's other people that have endured far worse than what you've gone through. And they've been patient. James closes with this. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. Our God is a good God. Our God sees you no matter where you're at in life. Our God understands the trials you're going through, the the struggles of faith that you might have. He understands what people are doing against you as a Christian. He understands what is happening in your life, and He is full of compassion and mercy. And He wants to give you that. He wants to show the same compassion he gave to Job, to you. And so a sign of what a mature Christian is, is a Christian who waits on God. In the midst of the oppression, in the midst of the trials that you face, if you will wait on God, he will show up. It might be tomorrow. It might be 10 years down the road. It might not even be until he returns, but he will show up. And when he shows up, he has compassion and he has mercy. Let us be people not taking things into our hands, but people who wait for God to act. Will you pray with me? Lord, we know you're full of compassion and mercy. Uh, We see this evident upon the cross of Christ. Lord, we know that, that we were not deserving of the sacrifice that Jesus gave. But Lord, we're grateful that it was given to us. Lord, in our lives, when we see people oppressing us, when we feel that 
pressure of, of life just coming down upon us. And when we feel like you're not there, help us to realize you are, that you see. You see the pain that we're going through, just like you saw the Israelites when they were in Egypt. Lord, help us to find patience. Even though it's hard at times, help us to find patience to wait on you to act and not to take things into our hands. Help us to be the mature Christians that James writes about, those who wait patiently for you to come. Lord, it's not always easy. And when it's not easy, I pray for strength to endure. I pray that we can have patience like the prophets of old. Patience like Job had. That even while we are being oppressed, that we can call out to you and say, Blessed is your name. We know you are full of grace and mercy and compassion. And Lord, sometimes we need that more than ever. And I pray in our lives that we will be people seeking you. I ask these things in your name. Amen.